Looking forward to preaching several messages from this thought, this theme of the parables of Christ. And so we're in Luke chapter number 10, and I think the verses are going to start in verse 27, but we're actually in our Bibles tonight, we're going to start in verse 25. And so Luke chapter number 10, verse 25, and we're going to read down through verse 37. All right, so everybody, if you're in Luke chapter number 10, say amen. 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 And are you ready for some preaching tonight? All right, good. It's good to have Jacob here. I see you over there. Jacob, thanks for coming tonight. Sit next to Josh. Watch out for him. He'll take your money. You got to watch out. And no, I'm just kidding. And not, not you, Jacob, Josh, that's who I'm talking about. And uh, good to see you guys tonight and other guests. Thank you for being here tonight. Luke chapter number 10 and look at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How many say that's a pretty good question to ask? How do I inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, Jesus said, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Jesus said, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? That was the question Jesus was looking for. And he answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And Jesus says to the lawyer, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. The Good Samaritan is pro probably the most popular parable in all of Scripture. The world knows about the Good Samaritan. Matter of fact, hospitals are named many times Samaritan or Good Samaritan and other organizations, charitable organizations. Samaritan is synonymous with benevolence, charity, and care. Tonight, we're going to look at four, character, four characters in this passage and what those characters represent. And as we do, hopefully, we can see the purpose that Christ had for this parable more clearly for us tonight. And I believe that God wants us to be Christians that have an attitude like the Good Samaritan. Let me say that again. I believe that God wants Christians to have an attitude like the Good Samaritan. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us with this message tonight. Help us, Lord, to be more like the man in this story. And God, I pray that this parable would work on our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the, the Bible and how it's so clear and it helps us so much. 
work in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. By the way, if you're joining tonight live, thank you for listening tonight. And I appreciate those in the overflow room. I see you back there. And so I appreciate you sitting back there. I never want folks sitting back there, but we have to do that right now. And so I appreciate that. I also want to mention that in a few weeks, we're going to start the choir back up and are excited about that. And so if you're here and you even think that you might be able to sing, Join the choir, amen? And so we'll be announcing that when we uh, get that back up, and we're also going to be starting work on our Easter program, and also a kids' choir as well is going to be starting back up. So looking forward to all those things. I was thinking about all that earlier, and I forgot to mention it, but I love the choir. I was uh, visiting my parents uh, a couple days ago, and uh, uh, I uh, ran into their neighbor, and uh, she she came. My mom invited her, and their neighbor came to our Christmas cantata, our Christmas concert. And I think that's the only time she came. And she came in her vehicle and she brought a friend. And, uh, and so I was, I was walking outside and I waved at her and, and she just stopped. She said, I just, I want to say thank you so much. She said, that really helped my spirit. That just really helped me and encouraged me. And uh, she said, man, you have a huge choir. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about that. And that's a testimony to the choir members. And so I appreciate you. Anyways, uh, getting back to the message tonight, we're going to talk about these four characters in this story. I know it's a very familiar story, but maybe let's look at it a little bit of a different perspective tonight. So number one, the first character that we see here is the unjustified, the unjustified. We see this lawyer, he stands up and he does something that you should never do, and that's tempt Christ. Amen? And so he tempts Jesus, and he says, Master, which means teacher, he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, what's written in the law? Notice how Christ appeals to this man where he's at. He knows he's a lawyer. He knows he's all about the law and following the law. And he says, how readest thou? And he answered, he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And by the way, this in the, in the Jewish culture was the greatest commandment, loving the Lord thy God. This comes from De- uh, Deuteronomy. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy sorrow, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. But then the man uh, goes on and he, he says something interesting here. He says, and who is my neighbor? This lawyer is like so many people today. He represents those who would attempt to justify their own good deeds. They want to justify themselves. In this passage, Jesus is not discussing how to be saved. He's not answering the man on how to be saved. What he's trying to do is get to the man's heart of the matter. This man, as a quote-unquote good Jewish person, he thought he had been good enough by keeping the law to inherit eternal life. And Jesus shows him that even though uh, he shows him in the law, thou must that to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, that is an impossible commandment. Nobody can love the Lord thy God 100% because we're sinners. Now, we try to grow in our love for God, and we try to love God more every day. And as we mentioned this morning, we try to increase in fruitfulness. We try to grow in grace. But the truth is tonight is that nobody here has arrived. We all are, all, all of us are kind of a mess tonight. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We're all kind of a mess tonight. And that's okay. We're saved. We have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us because of grace and His mercy. But what, the, what Jesus was trying to get at with this lawyer was, listen... He says, what does the law say? And what Christ was trying to get this lawyer to realize was, yes, that is the greatest commandment, but he falls short of that commandment. So the man, thinking he's justified, he says, 
then who is my neighbor? <laughs> who is my neighbor? And by the way, tonight, anyone claiming, anyone outside of the blood of Christ, claiming that they're justified in what they do, they're not justified. They are unjustified. You cannot justify yourself. You cannot justify your, uh, your sin with good deeds. You can't do it. Some people think, well, if I, if I work hard and I, I, I do better than I do worse, right? If I do more good than I do bad, then I will be justified. And what Jesus is trying to show us in this parable to this lawyer is, you're unjustified. You cannot justify yourself. So strictly from a human standpoint, what this man uh, what this man was saying in his own mind was, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad. I, I, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as somebody else. He was trying to justify himself. How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? I'm not that bad. And, and you know what? Truthfully, that might be the case. You might not be as bad as someone else, but compared to a holy God. We're all unjustified. We're all there. And so... Strictly from a human standpoint, you may not be that bad, but from God's point of view, no one is justified. And so we see this man, he is unjustified. Christ, Christ responds to him. He says, what, are you, what, what do you read in the law? This man, if he recognized his condition before a holy God, would have recognized that this commandment was, he was not following this commandment. One time I was soul winning. I've used this illustration before, but one time I was out with the teenagers inviting people to church and giving them gospel tracts and asking them to come to church. And I talked to this lady for a while and she was really open and, and a very nice lady. And uh, one of the things that we always try to do when we talk to people is try to witness to them. We try to do that if we have an open door. And so I began to ask her about her, her, her salvation and I asked her where she went to church and so on and so forth. And I asked her this question. I said, I said, so to, to know for sure that you're going to heaven, I said, you have to understand you're a sinner. And I'll never forget this. The only time I really, I think this has ever happened to me, she said, oh, I'm not a sinner. And she kind of perked up like this. She said, I'm not a sinner. I said, I said, okay, well, maybe I didn't, you know, maybe let me just clarify what a sin is. I said, well, you know, I said, oh, if you lie, that makes you a sinner. She goes, I've never lied. Not one time. I said, okay. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you got me. Amen. So, um, the truth is, we're all sinners. And, and, you know, you might be a good person. And you might know somebody that's a good person. You think, how could somebody who is so good be condemned? Because the truth is, in God's eyes, no flesh is justified. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So the truth is, this, this morning, this evening, we all fall short. We all fall short. And so this man... He was trying to justify himself, should have recognized in that commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. He should have recognized right there he was unjustified, but he wanted to justify his actions. Not understanding, he was born unjustified, and without Christ, he would die unjustified. The heart of this man was Christ's Main concern. Christ wanted this man to come to him as his Savior, but you cannot come to Christ until you recognize you are unjustified. You cannot come to Christ until you realize you are a sinner. And so the next character we see here is the traveler. The traveler. And uh, this traveler here represents the unfortunate. 
He represents the unfortunate. And Christ is trying to help this lawyer, and so he gives this parable in this scenario. And so we see number two here, we see the unfortunate. Look at verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment. Raiment is an old Bible word for clothing. He stripped him of all of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. This guy was beat up, he was robbed, and he was left for dead. If you look at it, the, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about a 17-mile journey. And they didn't have roads and Teslas back then that could drive themselves to Jericho. You had to walk it. And it was a very rugged, dangerous territory. The altitude decreased about 3,000 feet. There were a lot of caves and rocks and places for thieves to hide. And so this uh, particular area was a... Was, was a it was, uh, you ever heard of highway robbery? Well, this was highway robbery. And they would wait for... For, for travelers. And this was a well-known uh, thing of the day. And so Christ was using that as an example here. And he says, this traveler was coming down and he was robbed. He was attacked. The traveler here is used in this object lesson for a reason. And he also uses the Samaritan for a reason. Why? Because the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. I mean, they had a true disdain for each other that went deeper than anything we can even understand. They had a hatred one for, maybe that we can't understand, but they had a ha hatred one for another. So Christ was trying to help these folks around them realize that the, the, the hero of the story was someone that they actually aided. I think the implication here is that the traveler was Jewish and the good Samaritan obviously was a Samaritan. And so this Jesus is trying to draw in the crowd here and help them to recognize this unfortunate person. And I think that this unfortunate person represents the suffering in the world today. In church family, the world is full of suffering. People who are suffering. Anywhere that you look, you will find hurting people. Hurting people. I know, I know listen, I, I understand that, that every, all of us are busy. How many are busy? A lot of things to do. A lot of my dad used to say, places to go, people to see, amen. And we're all busy, but the truth is, is that we're surrounded uh, by hurting, hurting people. And bad things happen all the time. And this person represents the unfortunate, the person who uh, something happens to them. And anywhere you look in your life tonight, you will find someone who is suffering. Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you. You will always have someone suffering with you. Take your Bibles and go to James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. We need to be very careful. I said we need to be very careful not to develop a callous heart towards people. And all God's people said, Amen. it's easy to do. It's easy to do. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been ripped off. <laughs> One time I was sitting in my office over here. This is back when our offices were in the house, and when my office was in the house here on the property. And I was sitting there one day, and, and we get people come by all the time asking for help, and we always try to help them. And so this guy, he came by, and uh, he knocked on the door of the house, and and uh, I don't know if you were there or not, but Juan Carlos was there. And if you know Juan Carlos, I led Juan Carlos to the Lord. He was always around because I always had food. So he was always around. But anyway, and so I'm sitting there. Juan Carlos is there. He's doing something. And this guy knocked on the door and I opened the door. And this gentleman there, he's probably in his late 40s, early 50s. And he goes, man, he goes, I just got out of prison today. He goes, I got out of prison down over here on French camp or jail or whatever. Uh, and he said, I, they just released me. He said, I've been in prison. And he's, he gave me how many years? Like 27 years or something like that. 
I've been in prison 27 years, he says, and I just got out today. Boy, he looked like he did. I mean, he was wearing clothes. Looked like he's straight from the 70s. I'm not making this up. And I said, wow. I said, man, that's a long time. He goes, I know. He goes, I don't have a debit card. He goes, I don't have a car, and I don't have anybody. He goes, I just need a ride to the courthouse. I got to take care of some business. He goes, can you guys give me a ride? And of course, I said, sure, I'll give you a ride. And I said, Juan, give this guy a ride. And so, no, I'm just kidding. I said, Juan, let's go. And so Juan, you know, I always want to take somebody with me in case the guy tries to kill me anyway. And so, and so I'm sitting in the front seat, and this guy's sitting next to me. Juan's in the back. Juan's again, what is wrong with you? you know? And so I'm driving this guy to uh, Stockton to go to the courthouse. And we get to the courthouse, and we, we pull in the parking lot. And the guy says, I tell you what, he goes, you don't need to come in with me. He goes, all I need is about $200 cash, and I can take care of everything. And I said, no, <laughs> A, I don't have $200 cash. <laughs> B, we don't give cash out as a church. We just don't do it. We help in other ways. We can't. And so I said, I, I can't. I'm not allowed to do that. I said, but I'll go in with you. And I said, I'll help you take care of if you have something needs to take care of. I said, well, we, we have a heart to help folks. I'd love to help you, whatever I can do. He said, okay. And so we walked into the courtroom together. And, and uh, of course, I got my eye. I got my eye on him. And I'm watching him. And, uh, and so we walk into the courtroom and... He says, you know what, I need to use the restroom. I said, okay, go ahead. And so I'm standing there in the restroom and waiting for him. And five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by. I'm like, this guy's not coming back. So I peek in the restroom, he's gone. I thought, well, you know, whatever. We gave him a ride, whatever, you know. And so I went out to the car. And while I was waiting for him in the restroom, he had snuck out, went back to the car and asked Juan and said, he told me to come out here and tell you to give me cash and I could just go. And Juan said, I don't have any cash. And so the guy just left. But he, he was barking up the wrong tree, let me tell you. And so, and so, you know, we get scammed and people do those kinds of things, I understand. But we never, ever want to develop a callous heart towards people. If I were to ask you to raise your hand tonight, if you've been scammed, probably you have. Because you have a heart to help others. And we ought to be wise. We ought to be wise and go in things wide open, eyes wide open. Look at James chapter number 2, look at verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What, here's the question, what doth it profit? What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. And, of course, James is using the illustration here that our faith, he's not saying that works save us, they don't save us, but a, a faith without works is a dead faith. And so he says, and so he goes on, and he says, uh, he says, even so, faith hath not works, being dead alone. Yea, if a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And so we show our faith in Christ by what we do. And we ought to help others. We ought to be very careful not to become a be warmed and filled Christian. Amen? Somebody say amen tonight. Amen. I know that sometimes it goes against our nature, but we need to not, we need to walk, be careful of our hearts, not to just say, well, God bless you, man. I hope everything works out for you. No, we need to take the time to help others when God uh, allows us that opportunity to help others. One of the greatest values we can have as a church is generosity and kindness. Isn't that what the bus ministry is? Amen. I think about bus captains who spend their own money many times, hundreds of their own dollars a year, hundreds and thousands even, buying food for their bus kids. Generosity, kindness. 
picking a little kid up that would, you know, step on your shoe and spit in your eye. But man, he, you know, he knows that you love him. Generosity and kindness. Uh, there's other ministries that we do as a church, but in our own lives, in our own lives, may we not turn a blind eye to those that are in need. So we see the unfortunate. Then number three here, we see the uncaring. The uncaring. By chance there came down, verse 31, a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he crossed to the other side of the street. He, crossed, he went to the other. He said, you know, I don't even want to deal with this right now. I'm going to go. I don't even want to see. I don't even want to be a part of that. Verse 32, and likewise, a Levite. Uh, he was at the place. He came and looked. He actually stopped and took a look. And then again, cross by to the other side. Now, these men represent those who turned a blind eye to others in need. Although they were both religious men, they did not stop to help. Their religion was all talk. It was all talk. There was no substance behind their faith. And since the man on the road described was half dead, maybe they used the excuse, well, touch not the unclean thing. I don't know what their excuse was, but oftentimes in our life, we use excuses. Well, they're lazy. Well, well they, they, should, they should get their own job. Don't, come on now, look up here. Help me now. We use excuses. Well, I don't have time. I got my own problems. And oftentimes, we cross the other side of the street. May we, don't do, may we not do that. And all God's people said, may we not do that. May we take the time. If God affords us the opportunity to be a blessing and help someone, and I understand not everybody's in the position to help monetarily. I understand that. But if God is putting you in a position to help somebody, help them. Help them. The Sunday school teacher was telling her, her class about the, the Good Samaritan. So she's going into great detail about how this guy was beat up and he was bloody and all these things. She was going into great detail. And all these girls were sitting there with their eyes wide open. And she said, she said uh, to the girls, she said, now, uh, she said, let me ask you a question. If you saw a person lying on the roadside, wounded and bleeding, what would you do? And one of the little girls raised her hand and said, I'd throw up. <laughs> Amen. The truth is tonight, we got to be careful about turning our noses up at people. I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for Christ, I would be one of them. More than likely. If it wasn't for Christ in my life. And so we got to be careful about that. I understand that many times they have issues and problems and, and it's self-inflicted. I understand that. But aren't you glad tonight that when God told Jesus to go to the cross for us, Jesus didn't look at us and say, yeah, but look at, they made their bed, let them lay in it. Well, look at the, look at, they're sinners. I mean, come on. No, he died for me while yet I was a sinner. Amen. That's grace. And boy, I understand. I fall so far short of the grace of God and having grace for others. A man was sitting, meditating by a river, and he saw a scorpion floating on the water. When the scorpion drifted towards him, he reached out to rescue it and was stung by the scorpion. After it stung him, the scorpion began to struggle and begin to drown. And the man again tried to help the scorpion and was stung again. The bite started to swell painfully and, and he sat there for a moment and a person walking by saw this whole thing and he yelled out at the man. He said, hey, what's wrong with you? Only a fool would sacrifice himself for such an ugly, evil creature. Don't you know you could die trying to save that ungrateful scorpion? To which the man replied, my friend, just because it is the scorpion's nature to sting, that does not change my nature to save. And how many understand tonight that the nature of God, the nature of Christ is to save? 
He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was the one that was lost. And so are you. And so we need to remember that. Lastly, I see here number three, not lastly, but number three here. We see the unusual. The unusual. Yeah, lastly, the unusual. And we see the unusual. I use that word because the Samaritan was unusual. This is an unusual person. Look at verse 33. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan represents those who choose to be compassionate, those who choose not to turn a blind eye, those who do what they can. And when God brings somebody across their path, they do their best in their best way to help them. And please don't get me wrong. We want to be wise. We want to be careful about what we do when we help people. But when we help, when God brings something across our path, we want to choose to be compassionate. How many understand tonight that we are selfish by nature? I know I am, boy. Selfish by nature. Man, I'm on my way to get an in and out, you know, double-double animal style, and, and we're busy. Boy, we got a lot of stuff going on, and, and that's just our flesh. We're selfish, but Jesus is trying to teach us to love our neighbor, and if we're going to do that, it takes, it's going to take more than just what's in us. It's going to take the Holy Spirit helping us. I see five things here that the Samaritan did to help his neighbor. These are very quick. Uh, five things that he opened. He opened five things. Number one, letter A here, he opened his eyes. He opened his eyes. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he saw the man in his need. Although all three men physically saw the critically wounded person on the side of the road, the Samaritan looked and stopped and helped. Before we can meet someone's needs, we need to be aware of them. We need to have our eyes open to help others. I don't know about you, but I get pretty focused on myself. And how often does God bring a situation across our path? And we see it, and we do nothing about it. And the truth is tonight is that when we do see things, we ought to have compassion. He was traveling. I think about the fact that this man was trying to get somewhere. How many of you have ever traveled? When you're traveling, you don't want to stop and do anything. You want to get to your destination. And this Samaritan was traveling. He was trying to get through. Another thing I thought about as I was reading this was the same uh, uh, thieves that beat and robbed the guy hadn't been caught yet. And they're still lurking somewhere. Amen. And so this Samaritan, he was putting himself at risk, himself at danger to stop and to take care of this man. But he saw him. He had his eyes open. My wife and I were in uh, Napa. Uh, was it Napa? Uh, I don't remember where we were. No, Santa Cruz. We were in Santa Cruz uh, a few years ago, and uh, we were down there. The kids took the kids down there and, and to the tide pools and stuff, having a good time. And we went up into the, 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 the town there, in the city area there in Santa Cruz. And that's a pretty interesting place. And so, how many of you ever been to Santa Cruz? You know what I'm talking Oh, yes, you know what I mean. And so, we're up in there, and um, we're, we went to go get us coffee there. So, we parked the car, and we're trying to get a coffee to figure this out. And I see this guy in my rearview mirror. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm watching in my rearview mirror. He pushes a car. He's pushing his car, and he pushes it back behind the car. And uh, and I just I just when I see stuff like that, I just want to help, you know. And sometimes I I make mistakes, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna help this guy. So I jump out and I, I, I jump out there with him. And here's this guy. He's pushing his car. And so I left my wife and kids in the car in Santa Cruz. Probably shouldn't have done that. And so I'm pushing. I'm pushing the car, and and I'm thinking, you know, you know, he's trying to get out of the street, right? He's trying to get into a parking lot. No. He had three blocks to go. 
I should have asked him, how, how far, you know? <laughs> but you know, you're, you're committed to this thing. So one block goes by, man, I'm getting tired. And this guy's like, hey, thanks, man. You know, like, I would have never expected anything like this, you know? And so I'm pushing, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And then we start going uphill. And his, his, his friend in the front seat, I, I think he was stoned out of his mind. He's like, yeah, guys, you're doing good, you know? And he probably didn't even know we were back there. Anyway, we're just pushing, and we're pushing, and we're pushing. And about three blocks later, I, I mean, I'm dying. And I look over the guy, I'm like, how far? What's going on? He goes, just up here. Just, he kept saying that. And we kept going and going. Finally, we get to where this guy's going. My wife's like, where did my husband go? I didn't even say anything to her when I jumped out of the car, did I? And she's like, what? What, ha- what are you doing? And so she's driving around looking for me, and I'm pushing this guy. Anyways, we get in the parking lot, and this guy's like, he thinks I'm the best thing since sliced bread. He's high-fiving me. Man, thanks, man. You're, you're the best, you know? He goes, hey, I want to give you something. I said, all right. You know, I said, I don't want anything. He goes, no, please. I want to give you something. I said, I didn't do that. I don't want nothing from you. He goes, please, please, I just want to give you something. I said, oh, whatever, you know. So I'm waiting there. He disappears. He comes back with a big old bag of weed for me. <laughs> I gave it to Brother Asprelli. Anyway. <laughs> Things don't always work out the way you think they're going to when you help people, but we ought to keep our eyes open, Amen. I didn't take the weed. Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> Letter B, he opened his heart. He opened his heart. He had compassion on him, the Bible says. He had compassion on him. The difference between the priests and the Levites' gaze on the Samaritan was compassion. One looked on this person as an inconvenience, as something they didn't want to get their hands dirty with. But the Samaritan had compassion. The Samaritan saw helplessness and suffering, and his heart went out to him. There's one aspect of the the story here that, as I mentioned, he he was putting himself at risk. Those thieves were still there. And and honestly, if you think about it, if this is a good spot to rob people, then obviously he could be robbed as well. But he had compassion. Tonight, we have to think about this tonight, is sometimes we have to put ourselves a little bit at risk to help others. Sometimes it's a little bit of a risk. Think about my mom and dad. And over the years, my mom has brought people to help them. Sometimes it's a risk to help people. But it's worth it. It's worth it to have compassion. Let us see here. We see that he opened his hands. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And he set him on his own beast. He, He didn't just go up and say, hey, bro, you okay? Hey, hey, get up. You need to get up. He didn't do that. No, he got down and he got his hands dirty. He bound up the man's wounds. He, he took care of this man. He, he literally picked his bloody body up, put it on himself, and then put that man on his own beast. He got his hands dirty. Samaritan didn't just feel sorry for him. He relieved his suffering. He poured oil and wine into his wounds. He bandaged them. He treated the wounds, but he didn't leave them on the road either. He took him, put him on his own animal. The Samaritan didn't leave him behind, but he used his own resources to bring the man to safety. Take your Bibles and go to 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. I'm almost done tonight. 1 John chapter number 3. Don't you just love the Bible? (laughs) 1 John chapter number 3. 
And uh, let's look down at verse 16. We're going to read through verse 18. No, now, now read this carefully now. Don't, don't just skip over. Don't, don't tune me out. Look at, look at what it says here. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso faith this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Oftentimes we say we love one another, and I, I know that we mean it, I know. But loving someone is more than just telling them that you love them. It's indeed, indeed. One of the reasons why I love the bus ministry so much is because it's a genuine expression of love. It is hard work. It is sacrifice. There is absolutely no financial return in the bus ministry. Zero. 100% sacrifice. I love that ministry. You know, God has provided for that ministry, Brother John, how many years? 17, 18, 20 years? Going, going a long time. You were the first bus captain right there. God has provided for the bus ministry all these years. Why? Because it's a compassionate ministry. Picking up people, bringing them to church, ministering to them, ministering to the needy. That's why I love the fit ministry. Amen? That's why I love uh, uh, when, when we go to the retirement homes and, and, and because God has called us to love indeed, not just in words. Yeah, we love the world. No, no. We show that we love the world by helping the world, by reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You understand tonight that ministry, true ministry, is a messy business. It's messy. I know that there's a lot of Christians who live in this kind of fantasy land they want their perfect little world. They want their perfect little church where everyone looks the same. Everyone acts the same. You know, there's no wrappers on the floor. There's no uh, shoe marks on the wall. They want their perfect little environment. But I just want to tell you something. Where the stall is clean, there is no oxen. Amen. What I'm trying to say tonight is real ministry is messy sometimes. And sometimes we might look at somebody to come in and be, man, look at that. They look like a normal uh, church. You know, listen, just because they look normal don't mean they're normal. Amen. <laughs> A couple of years ago, a family started coming, and one of our good men in the church said, man, look at this family. They're sharp, and they're exciting. And then he had no idea the struggles that they were going through. No idea. How many have recognized tonight we're all a mess? And ministry is messy business. We ought to love one another in word, in word. People are a mess, and they need Christ. Amen. Oftentimes, I've found that people that are the worst mess when they came to Christ often have the most passion for Christ. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus said in the parable? Him that was forgiven the most, loves the most. Those are the kind of people I want to reach. Amen? Amen. He opened his hearts. He opened his eyes. He opened his hands. Lastly here, uh, uh, he, or not lastly, but almost lastly. <laughs> I keep saying lastly to give you encouragement, but <laughs> letter D here. He opened his wallet. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave it to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more. Basically, what he was saying is, I'll pay for this. I'll flip the bill for this. Since the Samaritan was on a journey, he needed to continue traveling. But the injured man needed help. He needed to recover. But instead of, instead of dropping him off to someone else, and instead of pushing the responsibility to somebody else, he said, I'm going to leave him here, but I'm going to pay you to take care of him. He opened his wallet. The Samaritan was willing to sacrifice what is oftentimes most precious to us, our money. 
He was willing to sacrifice to help someone else, to be generous. He was willing to give money to somebody who he didn't even know. Somebody here might be thinking tonight, man, I want to be involved in my giving. I want to be involved in helping others. I want to give you three places you can give. Number one, other than the tithe, obviously, we're, the bus ministry is a great place you can give. You, if you give money to the bus ministry, it will go to the bus ministry. Amen? I think right now we're $7,000 in the hole in the bus ministry only because we had a $7,000 repair last month. Amen? That we were not expecting, but that's the way that it goes. Amen? And so you can give there. You could also give to the fit ministry. Dad, do you need any money? Okay, yeah, my, well, my mom answered, so. But you could all, there's another place you can give money to help others if you want to be involved that way. Another place you can give is missions. That money goes straight to the mission field. But if God has blessed you in your life, and boy, has he blessed us in America. If God has blessed you in your life with extra, I would recommend giving to the Lord. And all God's people said, amen. amen. He opened his heart. He opened his eyes. He opened his hands. He opened his wallets. And lastly, and I mean it this time, letter E, he opened his schedule. He opened his schedule. Notice what he says here. He says, and when I come again, have you noticed that? He was planning to come back. And when I come again, I will repay thee. You understand he's traveling? This is not his home. He's going from one place to another. But he said, when I come, when I, I, will, I will make it a point to come back. And when I come back, I will repay thee. The Samaritan was willing to have his trip interrupted to offer aid to the needy, this helpless man. He put his journey on hold for a while in order to do that, which was more important, to show compassion and care to someone else in need. And then on top of it, he was willing to return, to continue helping. For most of us in this room tonight, many of us, the most precious commodity we have in our life is our time, is our time. We live in a busy day, in a busy schedule, but may we never be too busy to help those who are in need. So what does this parable teach us? It teaches us who our neighbor is. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Our neighbor is anyone. Our neighbor is everyone. Our neighbor is somebody who's unfortunate. Our neighbor is somebody who's in need. Our neighbor is somebody who might be different than us. Our neighbor is somebody who we may not even like, but it's our neighbor. So I'll end with this, with the words of Jesus. And then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Amen. Let's all pray together tonight. Father.